0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code
0: Welcome back into this Friday edition of The Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky and as you can tell, still not 100%. Feeling better though today after watching some mississippi college football last night thank you for making the show a part of your day on back-to-back days uh, this is something that i'm considering doing during the season maybe every day i think the 3 day a week thing is perfect uh because it doesn't saturate the content but uh if you want to if you want to hear more of this let me know uh i'm planning on doing my own Uh, not specifically Ole Miss Focus podcast on Tuesday and Thursdays uh, during the season, so maybe I'll just stick with that. Anyway, and that's getting way ahead of my skis here. Welcome into the show. Thank you so much for making it a part of your day. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky if you so choose. I occasionally have a pretty good tweet, so you can follow me there. uh, Get my thoughts on random stuff going on in the sports world. And beyond. And a few things uh, to talk about with you today. We're going to talk about Southern Misses' game last night. College football returned to Mississippi, the first FBS versus FBS game of the season. There is some faulty reporting again that uh, national sports media just jumped on when it came to the heart condition that really is what stopped the Big Ten from playing. And as it turns out, that was completely uh, fake news. And finally, Lane Kiffin on play calling in game management. He was on the Pat McAfee show yesterday. I encourage you to watch the entire thing. Pat's just, he's great. And uh, the interview is very good. But one clip in particular that I'm going to play for you on Lane Kiffin's philosophy now on play calling and game management. It's really interesting, and uh, we'll talk about that coming up as well. But first, I do want to remind you that the show is brought to you every single day by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue, Stop by and see Greg, tell him we sent you. You can still get one of their daily lunch specials. They are Monday through Friday. So, hopefully I will get this out there for you before uh, the the daily lunch special ends uh, later on this afternoon. But stop by again, see Greg, tell him we sent you. Get something for the grill this weekend and enjoy your football. I see where Memphis has uh, announced a sold-out crowd of just over 4,000 uh, for for some reason there in Memphis. I guess it's Shelby County. They are Uh, forced to do a 12-foot social distance instead of the regular six, so they can only have, I guess that's 7% of their stadium capacity. But they sold every ticket that they were allowed to sell. And uh, that, uh, hosting Arkansas State on Friday night. So go to LB's, get your meat for the grill, and enjoy your football. So let's jump right in. Uh, Did you watch Southern Miss last night? Uh, I know a lot of people around here were excited just to see football, especially the first FBS on FBS game, and uh, a lot of national people went and covered that. I saw Ross Dellinger was there, Andy Staples uh, was there from The Athletic, so uh, uh, significant coverage for what otherwise would be a game that nobody really cared about, but since it was the first FBS versus FBS game of the season, I know there were a lot of uh, atypical eyes on Hattiesburg, and it was a late start, too. It was tough to stay up, especially towards the end, Uh, but I somehow found a way. Uh, to actually do it it was a weird feeling on campus so we were there yesterday for the radio show actually physically on campus and um it it, it's not the same as Mississippi State or Ole Miss as far as the number of people of course and the tailgating scene and stuff like that but it still it didn't feel like a typical game day you know there wasn't anybody tailgating they're not allowed to uh, the, I guess there were some people walking around a little bit, but it just didn't feel like a regular football game day. If we weren't set up right next to the stadium, you wouldn't have even known there was a game that was scheduled to be played that day. And, uh, the crowd shots, uh, probably less than 25% fold. Uh, so they are allowed to have a fourth of the stadium fold, fill, fold. What is fold? Fold. That's my new word, uh, It wasn't 25% of the stadium, uh, people that actually showed up. Uh, I did see some try to make a a big deal about uh, how there was a group of students that were sitting next to each other. And, oh, they didn't have masks and social distancing. And, oh, Southern Miss is going to ruin it for everybody. And uh, anyway, the stadium was largely spread out. Wasn't uh, anywhere close to full. Most people were separated from each other. It's going to be fine, everyone. It's going to be fine. As far as the game itself, uh, Southern Miss fans not happy this morning, and they shouldn't be. Uh, Depending on how much you watched, you you probably made the same observation. It was glaringly obvious that Southern Miss, for some reason, was just so committed to the run until it was too late, and I can't quite figure it out. Uh, They were were getting beat up, really, on both sides of the ball uh, up front, but for some reason, with a veteran quarterback like Jack Abraham, who's really good for that level. He's good for college football in general, but really good for that level. And they just insisted on running the football, constantly running the football, even though they were having no success doing it. And Abraham was able to distribute the football well enough when they gave him the opportunities. And he's pretty elusive himself. I didn't understand that at all. Uh, just the just absolute stubborn play calling from Southern Miss, uh, just insisting on trying to beat South Alabama on the ground when the Jags showed them from the first series that physically South Alabama was better than Southern Miss up front, and just insisted on running the football with. Uh, a lot of you are going to feel old with this. Frank Gore Jr. Uh, he's a little guy though. They list him at five foot eight. Uh, he's he's not five foot eight. Um, not even, no, there's no chance, uh, but but he's a college football player now, if you can believe that. Just insisted on running the football, and uh, they were absolutely dominated uh, up front, and that was a team that they were a two-touchdown favorite over, and that brings me to my next point. I think I'm on to something with my week one underdog theory. I think I'm on to something here, because uh, last night, both underdogs covered. So you had Central Arkansas that went to UAB, they covered, and obviously South Alabama covered by winning the game uh, over Southern Miss when they were a two-touchdown dog. I think the opening weekend of college football season is more prone to upsets than we really account for, and that applies to Ole Miss in Florida, that applies to Kentucky and Auburn, that applies to me, to Mississippi State and LSU. I'm not really buying uh, Missouri and Alabama or, well, I guess South Carolina will be an underdog at home to Tennessee. I think this opening weekend of college football will be more prone to upsets than most usual week ones because of all the unknown and all the uncertainty and all that stuff. I think my theory is going to hold true. Now, we've got two more weekends before SEC play begins to really see if I'm right, but I think that I'm on to something here. With When you're betting on these college football games, big underdogs might be your play here. At least to cover, because you got one with Central Arkansas last night. Just because of all of the uncertainty and the, the, the uniqueness of the offseason. Games have been pretty sloppy so far. There's only been three of them, but you've seen it. I think I might be on to something. So we got a few weeks away, and I'm not going to make my picks anytime soon, but I think I'm going to lean on underdogs in the opening weekend of SEC play. There's a lot of unknown, a lot of sloppiness, a lot of inconsistency. There's going to be um, some growing pains. And I think that kind of a game favors a competent underdog. That's why I'm not talking about Arkansas and Georgia. But when you're talking about Kentucky going to Auburn, Ole Miss hosting Florida, Mississippi State going to LSU, that's a team, if you can still get, uh, some of the lines I've seen out there are like 16 or 17 points. Um I've told you on this show before I've said it on the radio show, I don't expect Mississippi State's going to have a very good record. Uh, my colleague, Brian Haydad, uh, did his Mississippi State media poll, and he does it every year. He asks basically everybody on the beat to give their season record prediction and, and uh, stuff like that. Um, two people that cover Mississippi State uh, projected them to go 6-4. and four. Uh, there are a lot of five and fives, which is a homer pick, but at least I get it. But it, th- that football team's not going six and four. I'll put my mortgage on it. Um, I-, I don't expect them or Ole Mrs. records to be very good. That's just what I think. But especially Mississippi State in week one. If you can get that line at 16 or 17 that I've seen in some places, considering that LSU is basically in the same spot as they're in as far as the the turnover of the the staff and the roster and everything else, that's going to be my play in week one. I think we saw it again last night. I think you'll see it again this weekend. And ACC play starts next weekend. You'll see it there, too. Early season underdogs, I think, is your gambling play. I think I'm onto something here. It's a theory that I kind of pulled out of my backside, but I think I'm onto something here. And uh, you saw it again last night. And it's no surprise that a team like Southern Miss, who had like five opt outs in the couple weeks leading up to the season, uh, struggled defensively. Uh, that shouldn't really surprise uh, anybody at all, but um, still, I think that's your play. I think I'm onto something here. Turning the page uh, to the next story here. This uh, this kind of rocked college football, uh, at least the, the media landscape, yesterday. A story out of Penn State that everybody just jumped on. Jumped on. And it turned out to be completely fabricated. It's the second time that's happened. Uh, But here was the original tweet breaking. Penn State's director of athletic medicine, Wayne Sebastianelli, says that the cardiac MRI scans revealed that roughly 30 to 35 percent of Big Ten athletes who tested positive for COVID-19 appeared to have the heart condition myocarditis, which is uh, what really shut down the Big Ten was not knowing about that heart condition. And uh, as Barstool laid out, um, that got jumped on by blue check marks everywhere. Darren Rovell, Big Ten versus SEC, because uh, somebody that covers South Carolina for the Athletics said um, that heart condition was not prevalent in any SEC player. You had Rex Chapman, who's a very popular Twitter figure, who deleted his tweet, of course, um, ripping uh, the rest of college football for playing. You had Jessica Ellis. I hate to tell sports fans, this tweet's also been deleted, I think. Uh, but if they decimate the entire college system with heart problems, you will not have pro sports in a few years. Another blue check mark. Shut down sports now. Another blue check mark. I highly recommend taking five minutes to click on this link and read the article. Keith Olbermann. Happily, it only affects the elderly and those with pre existing conditions. And he puts a couple stars next to it. Um, and a lot of people, of course, did it to, uh, because everything's political now, they did it to bash the president. Here's another blue check mark. Uh, quoting Trump last week, saying he wants football to be played. Joe Scarborough of NBC, this is frightening news and undermines the argument that younger Americans can get COVID with little impact. Left unchecked, this heart condition can be fatal. Trump and Pence need to stop recklessly carping about the need for college football. Follow doctor's advice. Andrew Brent, to the, quote, they're young and healthy, they'll be fine crowd. Oh, wait. Wait. It's not true. Kyle uh, Bonagura from ESPN reached out and got some clarification from Penn State. And here's what he said. Dr. Sebastianelli was asked by a local school board to discuss high school preparations and precautions for holding sporting events during the pandemic. And the potential impact of COVID nineteen on the health of student athletes during the discussion with board members, he recalled initial preliminary data that had been verbally shared by a colleague on a forthcoming study, which, unbeknownst to him at the time, had been published at a lower rate. The research was not conducted by him or Penn State. Doctor Sebastianelli, Doctor Sebastianelli, this is a mouthful. I'm sorry. Uh, wishes to clarify the point and apologize for any confusion. Additionally, some have inferred his comments may have related directly to Penn State student-athletes. At this time, there have been no cases of the heart condition in COVID-19 positive student-athletes at Penn State. That also falls in line with the NFL, uh, who has not had any of these cases, and they test for it regularly. So that story that went viral, it was everywhere. It was on CNN, it was on NBC, it was everywhere, covered in the national news about college football, and people used it to take a shot at their political enemies, used it to take a shot at the Southeastern Conference, even though everybody else besides the Big Ten and Pac-12 are playing, like Major League Baseball in the National Hockey League, in the NBA, in the NFL, and European soccer, in the WNBA, and the PGA Tour, and the LPGA Tour, and the PGA Tour champions. Everybody else, except for those two conferences are playing, but people used it to take a shot at the SEC, the entire thing. All of it was made up. Completely untrue. And it's like these people were just waiting to jump on this story. And they try to... And they spend all day telling you that they're not rooting for the virus, not rooting for, for sports to get shut down. But your guy's favorite person, Dan Wolkin, as pointed out by West Blankenship, again, um, tweeted about a North Texas coach I think it was North Texas, uh, that got arrested for something that he did at a previous job but didn't at all mention the actual college football game going on, then you have the people that just absolutely jumped on this. And the clarification doesn't get anything. That's why people are fed up with this stuff. I'm fed up. I'm sick of it. That's That's why people are convinced that sports writers, some of them, are rooting against the sport it's like they don't even like it i seriously it it feels at times like they don't even like it because they just jump on stories like this i i don't know where this comes from i think some of it's politically driven we know it now especially because the shots people took at trump for wanting to get the big 10 to play football which of course is a political move he's a politician um but but I'm exhausted by this. I imagine you guys are too. And just the willingness to just pounce on this story. Just pounce on it. I even saw somebody suggest that the NFL was lying about their not having any. It's exhausting. It's It's so exhausting. And, of course, the original, the story that 30 to 35% of Big Ten players have this heart condition, which is completely made up and untrue, uh, has been shared and liked and retweeted on Twitter and social media more, I mean, multiple times more than the clarification. And so people are only going to see that and think that the SEC is willing to risk the lives of their kids to put the sport on, when that's just simply not true. But because of the way that, that things are covered right now, um, it doesn't matter. It, it just doesn't matter. And these people wonder why the regular fan thinks they're rooting against the sport. Because they're so eager and quick to share stories like this, and then they they either ignore or barely draw attention to the fact that it's fake. And I guess maybe they feel dumb, and I would too. I, I've been... I've been got by fake Twitter accounts and stuff before, and, and I feel really dumb. I feel dumb most days of my life. but <laughs> um, shouldn't this be really good news? Shouldn't this be something something that, as a, a college football writer with a national platform, you should be screaming from the mountaintops about, right? Like, this is awesome. This is great news. It's not really showing up. And these kids are all getting tested for it anyway, and as I understand it, it's treatable. But it's not showing up. This is great news. This is this should be something that gets written about and talked about everywhere. Hey, guys, look. This story wasn't true. It's not really prevalent. It is okay that they're playing. That should be something that we celebrate. And instead, it's this crap. And people like you and like me are sick of it. It's like they don't even like it. All right, turning the page one more time, kind of buried the lead a little bit. Here's the title of the podcast today. Lane Kiffin talking about uh, play calling duties and game management. So he was on with Pat McAfee. I'm a huge Pat McAfee fan. Uh, I I hope one day whenever I can host my own show, radio show, I can be like him where he's uniquely himself. You know, he doesn't try to fall in with the styles of others. I, I really enjoy Pat McAfee. I think he's his own person and he's comfortable being his own person, and it shows um, on his radio show. It's, it's unique to him, and I, I just I really admire him from a broadcasting perspective. He had Lane Kiffin on, and it was a really good interview, so I encourage you to go find it. Listen to the entire thing. It's, uh, it's on YouTube. Pat McAfee Show is all you have to search for. Uh, it'll probably give you the timestamp of when Lane Kiffin starts, so um, you can go find it there. Watch the entire thing. It's really insightful. He talks about, how they're dealing with COVID, which I played some of that for you uh, yesterday, Um, how he knew that he was going to be a coach, and then this. He was asked by one of Pat's uh, producers uh, about play-calling duties, about being a CEO head coach versus a play-caller, and uh, Lane gave a really insightful answer, and we'll talk about that uh, after I play it for you. So here's Lane Kiffin on the Pat McAfee Show yesterday, and you hear the question and his following answer.
1: Lane, you're talking about learning from from Alabama and Saban to be more of a
0: CEO. But you obviously your your career has been on the offensive side of the ball, being an offensive coordinator. So how hard is it as the CEO to give up some responsibilities as far as like calling plays and stuff like that? Are you always going to call plays?
1: No, I've given up some of that, um, and that you you really can't, you really have to if you're going to do everything. And I think when you do that, you connect with your other players better on the other side, but you also manage the game better. You know, when I was calling as the head coach, like, all the plays and doing it all myself, you know, I'm over there making adjustments while the defense is out on the field. I may not even see a penalty that happened or see something that I can help them with, you know. So um, I think that you, that you do a lot better job this way. Uh, game situations are such a underrated part of the talent of a head coach or not, like uh, clock management, timeout management, everything like that. I mean, there is... There's Some coaches are really good at it, and some coaches are really bad at it. And I would assume if you're calling plays, you can't be as dialed in on making the right decision for the entire team because all you're worried about is how this offense is going to do. That's that's probably a big decision, though, for you to kind of let up the reins on that. I would assume that was a pretty – that's tough to make. Yeah, but like you said, the game management, no. <clears throat> as you said, there's good and bad. I mean, there's some really bad game managers. In college, <laughs> people get away with it. I've never understood this. I see things that blow my mind, and in college – they get away with it. In the NFL, I mean, you get killed in the NFL. <laughs> you know, press conference afterwards and the papers the next day or something. You know, I mean, they're on it. But I don't know why that is in college. They really, the announcers kind of let it go and, and the media does too. So, um, but obviously it's a value. I mean, you're a winner lose one or two games a year based off of if you know what to do in every single situation. And if you practice those things with your team, not just know what to do.
0: And again, that was Lane Kiffin on the Pat McAfee show. A a couple of things uh, that I noticed out of that. Uh, One, of course, the obvious is that he's given up. He said some of that. So not all of it. Uh, I imagine this is still going to be Lane Kiffin's offense. It's still going to be run how he wants it to be run. He'll still be heavily involved in the game planning. But Jeff Lebby calling plays is is certainly a good thing. So don't think that because Lane Kiffin's giving up some of the play calling responsibilities that it's... Um, not going to be a sound. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, led, was a primary play caller for UCF, who was second in the country last year in total offense. They were fifth in scoring offense, so they averaged 540 yards per game and 43 and a half points per game, uh, as he was the offensive coordinator. He's got a pedigree of play calling that, uh, Uh, you should be happy with and comfortable with. And, of course, it's still going to be under his, Lane Kiffin's direction and and understanding, but just because he's removing himself from those duties doesn't mean it's being left to somebody who's not capable. Um, He was a big-time offensive coordinator hire, and most people didn't really give it enough credit because they just assumed that Kiffin was going to be calling plays. Well, as you just heard, he's removed himself from some of that. And uh, the game management piece is extremely important. So... Again, like I've told you, I don't think Ole Miss right now is in a position to win you know, six games this season. If they do, it means it's, it's one of the better coaching jobs you'll ever see. Um, but that's just not a realistic expectation, in my opinion. But what you should see a massive improvement on is game management. Uh, Lane Kiffin uh, studies it. Uh, he's told you in many different places. I think in his opening press conference as well, he, he even talked about uh, how game management is the most important part to being a head coach as far as game day stuff. Recruiting's probably number one, but managing the game, making the right decisions within the game. And he even, I don't think he was taking a shot at the previous staff. I really don't. But you know they have sat down and watched the film from the last couple of seasons to see what they've got with their players. And I've been mind blown about certain decisions like the Cal game last year where Ole Miss, midway through the fourth quarter, was in a two-score game and lined up to kick a field goal, which would have made a two-score game a two-score game in the fourth quarter. And they threw out a bad kicker who missed the field goal. But that's the kind of stuff I bet they're watching. And Timeout management was also a problem in the previous staff. Just overall game management decision-making is something that I think you should expect to see A big-time improvement in from last year to this year. That's the key. And having himself removed from those uh, offensive play-calling duties exclusively uh, will allow him to manage the game. And that's something that, uh, as you all probably know, I'm sure you do, the previous staff really, really struggled with. Game management was a huge, huge problem. Timeouts, uh, kicking decisions, going forward on fourth down, there was one game in Baton Rouge, uh, what was it, like 28 to 3, and it was fourth and goal from the one, and they lined up and they kicked a field goal, if I remember that correctly. I mean, just things like that that you simply are not going to see with this staff. You've got somebody who clearly puts an emphasis on it, who studied it, uh, who's been a head coach before and, and can make those decisions, and won't be so conservative. I think, for one, he's probably seen what he's got in the kicking game, but two, he's. I mean, joked about it on Twitter, but talked about it in his press conferences. I mean, Lane Kiffin is going to take risks. He's going to go for it on fourth down. He's not going to kick field goals in a two-score game that would keep the two-score game a two-score game. That's just not going to happen that way, and you're going to see a massive difference. And like I told you yesterday, I mean, Ole Miss was 0-5 in one-score games. That really comes down to coaching. I mean, imagine what last season's record would have been if the game was managed by Lane Kiffin. I think it changes things. I really do. But it's also, in hindsight, very good that the season shook out the way it did uh, because you wouldn't be in the situation that you are currently in. So, uh, go listen to Pat's show. It's am telling you it's really good. I really enjoy Pat. I know he rubs some people the wrong way, but uh, he's very uniquely himself. I really enjoy him. I, I think he's... Uh, a future star uh, probably already is a star in the broadcasting field. And uh, I aspire to, to be more unique and personable like that. But um the entire interview with Kiffin is very, very insightful. Um So go check it out. And this just came across uh, as I record this. I'm going to add this here into the show before we wrap up. Uh, you can pay... If you're one of those people that had season tickets or, or moved them over to next year or, or may not be able to go to a game just because of everything that's happened, a picture of you or your friend can be uh, in the stadium. So Ole Miss is selling uh, cardboard cutouts that they're going to put in the seats like you've seen at Major League Baseball games and, and other places um, for 55 bucks. and I assume they'll be there for the entire year. I don't know how they're going to place them because they are going to have 25% uh, capacity in the stadium, so... I mean, maybe they'll use those to, like, force people to social distance. I don't know. But if you want to be at the game when you can't be at the game, uh, you can do that there. I thought, uh, and I just tweeted this as well, I might put a picture of Brian Haydad, uh, my coworker, uh, who is a bulldog through and through. Great guy, of course, but uh, he loves his dogs. And, uh, you know, I might drop the 55 bucks and, uh, you know, get him a permanent seat in vote hemingway this year. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the option's on the table for you if you want. Uh, they just uh, released that, so I'm sure if you go to the Ole Miss website or something, if that's if that interests you, here's just a public service announcement. If that interests you, um, there's a place where you can uh, be a part of the game even if you're not there. So uh, neat fundraising idea. It's just that simple money right there, even if you don't sell many. You just They have to maximize their revenue in any way uh, they can. I saw another story yesterday where uh, you've got athletic departments now in the SEC that are facing multi-million dollar, tens of millions of dollars of budget shortfall. and um, That's going to lead to jobs and sports getting cut, and it's really, really sad. So they've got to do everything they can to try to make as much money as possible. Uh, and here's a good way to do it, and so hopefully it works out for them. Because uh, this season's going to cost a lot of people uh, a lot of things. So any way you can help, this probably a good way to do it. Enjoy your college football this weekend. Uh, You've got Eastern Kentucky and Marshall, Middle Tennessee and Army. That'll be a good one at 1230 on the CBS Sports Network. SMU and Texas State, Houston Baptist and North Texas, and then Arkansas State and Memphis. That's on ESPN from the Liberty Bowl on Saturday night. So enjoy your football this weekend. Uh, We are inside of a week until the NFL begins. You got Chiefs, Texans, I believe, on Thursday of next week before... uh, The NFL season begins next weekend along with uh, the ACC and the Big 12. So the SEC is last, but football is here. And uh, it is really, uh, really good to say that out loud. So uh, again, go by LBs and see Greg. Uh, Get your meat for the weekend. Enjoy what should be really nice weather this weekend and next week. Enjoy your football. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky if you so choose. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you again on Monday, I think. Uh, Local media is supposed to have a Zoom call uh, with the Ole Miss players today. If there's anything interesting from that, I'll bring that to you on Monday's show. And then we'll start our season previews. We'll look at the schedule, uh, maybe get some guests on, that cover teams that Ole Miss is playing here soon. I hope to have somebody from Florida that covers Florida uh, on the show either Monday or Wednesday of next week. So be looking forward to that. And have a great weekend. And uh, hopefully I'm feeling better by Monday so I won't sound like this. I bet this has been just torture for you. So either way, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the football. Go by LBs and see Greg. And I'll talk to you again on Monday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.